0: hey warriors and welcome back to another episode of warrior within i do hope you had a great week ours was uh quite hot for the majority of the time but actually this weekend it got a little bit cooler where even in the evenings it wasn't too bad however it's still very warm very humid in some sense and very 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 sunny um we do hope that we can get some rain to maybe cool things off a little bit it's been a little bit cloudy so i said this weekend was a little bit better. Otherwise, yeah. So anyway, you know, God has been doing some talking ever since we made the decision not to buy the house. God's been kind of showing us things, and it's been at a point where we're taking a step back, and we're trying to listen. However, it kind of fits into this whole discussion. It still has that lingering thought of doubt. How many times have you guys... When you you believe God's doing something, then the doors just seem like they're not opening up. So there's that little bit of doubt starts kind of getting into your brain. Starts getting into your thoughts. Starts getting into your heart. Just starts getting into your choices to the point where you either have the choice to kind of follow into that doubt or try to take a step back. I made mention, I think it was probably last year in 2022, probably around January or February. I had talked about what happened to us in Colorado and then God kind of having us take a step back. Well, this is, again, an understanding that a lot of times when it just seems like the door is an opening, we need to take a step back. Because I can tell you, I was pounding on the one door, trying to make it work. And now I have taken a step back and I'm going back to the process that we'll actually talk about, but ask, seek, and knock. I'm in the process of seeking again. Trying to understand God better, to have a clarity of him opening the door that he wants the do- what he I should say open the door that he wants versus the door I was trying to open so How many times have we prayed, have we asked? Have we followed the scriptures, no trying to live a biblical life, doing the right thing, trying to do everything we can possible to understand God and understand our direction, but sometimes it
1: just seems like we're failing.
0: Did we truly ask? Did we truly trust in faith? Or were we trying to create kind of what we wanted to hear from God in our minds and our hearts so much that we were forcing the answer to happen? And I remember throughout all my years, and even when I was younger, you know, trying to grow up and have a better understanding of asking God in prayer, which I honestly think guys, if you have kids teach on prayer, learn about prayer, read books about prayer, though I'd be very, very careful because in today's culture and today's uh, teaching in the churches, prayer is more spiritualism versus actual teaching biblical prayer. I mean, if you remember growing up, if you, especially if you're more like in the 40s and 50s, you remember growing up in the Sunday school class, uh, the, how the teachers would like have you fold your hands, close your eyes, and they would do these simple prayers because the idea was discipling you into teaching you how to prayer. However, as you become older and become junior high and teenage, your mind is different. the The world you live in is different compared to what... Adults think you live in. And so they have this misview teaching that they think you understand things. However, you're battling a totally different perspective. I mean, if you remember being a teenager, you know, you're concerned about, am I going to graduate high school? There's sports, there's girls, there's food, there's these activities I can be involved in or not be involved in. You're trying to kind of figure out who you are. As who you are. And I remember in Sunday school classes and even in the Christian schools, they, they, they weren't teaching us as teenagers into adulthood. They were trying to kind of shove adulthood into teenagers. And I always felt like it was like as much as I learned a lot from Faith Baptist school, I also had a lot of struggle becoming more of a man. I had a lot of questions, but they weren't teaching the answers to those questions. Like, I wish my Sunday school classes and even in the classes of the school, like Bible classes, they taught better how to pray, taught better how to study your scriptures, taught better how to spend time with God, how to hear him speak. However, being in a Baptist school... A lot of these Baptist schools lean on the fact that God doesn't speak outside the Scriptures at all, even though the Holy Spirit indwells in us and speaks to us. Only through God's word can can God speak. However, personally, any any time you know why, in the Scriptures they tell you test the spirits, is because they, you're supposed to test it on behalf of the Scriptures. Anyway, going back because I am kind of jumping in a different perspective. Prayer, trust, and faith are all intertwined when it comes to asking direction from God, from hearing God, from not doubting, from not being less or little little faithed. They are intertwined. I think a lot of times where we struggle is because we don't grow in our prayer walk and i've said this before many people that don't like to pray out loud because one they think they have to be like perfect, or have these biblical terms or try to do the whole these and thous into prayer for it to be mature however a prayer life is just spending time in prayer with god and there's many things you could do get a notebook write out your prayers Get a notebook and write down other people's prayers if you need to. Uh, pray for other people. Pray for you know your pastor. Pray for the people in your church. Pray for your family. Pray with your family. Pray over your family. Pray with your wife. Pray with your kids. You see, the practice of prayer is just as important as you and I being in prayer. And even if you're single and not married you can still practice prayer is there other young people around you who you know still go to church and and are are kind of going through the same journey you're going through have you ever thought about maybe hey we should all meet and pray on sunday mornings before church or pick a day during the week and come together and pray and it's okay, you guys can pray and then after having amazing snacks and, and, and dinner or whatever, or go out you know eat together, because that's important. like I told you, four parts to it. you got prayer, you got you know learning what the disciples taught. You got service and, eat and service and, and fellowship are kind of in the same categories because there's eating together, there's doing things together, they're serving together, there is going out and reaching the world together. So the idea is that we have kind of created in our in ourselves that prayer is a personal thing. We created that prayer is about what we think between me and God. However, prayer is a not only a prayer between you and God, but it's a prayer even with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Like we should pray together. Now, out there there is a lot of different <clears throat> ideologies on styles of prayer and some of them are designed with the wrong intention behind it and you have to be really careful to always go back to the scriptures in fact a challenge that i actually tell people if anything if you're struggling in prayer get the book of psalms out and just start reading that to god as prayer there's a lot of praise and worship type psalms that you can read because it helps you build two things. One, the confidence to pray more often, and two, you're reading scripture, which is now being engraved into your heart, which then is building up that relationship with God. This is why we gotta, also in our heads, we we gotta turn that ship away from looking at reading scripture as a study book, or as a textbook, and start recognizing that the scriptures is God's word. We can learn from it, and just by reading it, we're getting that engravement into our hearts. And you'll be surprised that even reading verses that you've always thought you knew when you read it in context, you're going to be surprised how they have been used improperly or even out of context. Or even if they are in context, you learn more about the understanding of what's going on with that verse. Only because you read. However, I do encourage studying it and going a little bit more deeper and looking up you know, meanings behind it and commentaries to get more knowledge for yourself but there has to be a point where doing that helps you through your doubt and helps you see the door that's open. I remember being ages 15 to 27. And this is like, like when I was 27, my wife and I had like started dating not too long, like not about a year or two before that. And we got married, I was 28 in 2011. But before that time, everything seemed like God just kind of put things together. But a lot of it was also intertwined with my parents' relationship with God and intertwining us into that. So like going to Bethel in New Jersey, going to Faith Baptist and doing the football with them and the church that we were part of and the events and activities I got to do was all intertwined. But God showed himself through it, going back and seeing it. However, there was times there's stuff I didn't really learn until later. And in my early 20s, but after my wife had got married, remember I've told you, I thought I was just going to get you know, a youth pastor job or a college pastor job. Things were just going to kind of come through in about seven years, five years or so, get maybe an assistant associate type pastor job. And then eventually like 10 years, which would have made me 40, which is now to be the pastor of a church. Funny part is I'm 41 now, but I'm becoming a pastor of a church, which is ironic because it's not the path that most pastors go to get to this point. So that's what I want you guys to understand. Sometimes as we keep looking for that certain door, we miscue ourselves because we're so focused on trying to get there. The right answer, the way we think it's supposed to be. You know, Matthew seven verses seven through eleven states this: Ask, and it will be given to you; seek, and you will find; knock, and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asked for, asking for bread, would give him a stone? He asks for a fish, you give him a serpent. If then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in other words, we become adopted children of God. So He will provide. However, I think sometimes we don't even get past the first part, which is just asking, because our first thought is, "Well, I don't think God cares. I don't think God, you know, is involved in that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't think God would." care about what, kind, you know, what woman I would marry, because, I mean, I want a hot woman, so therefore, you know, if God's not giving me a hot woman, then I'll just pick the one I want. Or, you know, well, this job's going to pay lots of money, so therefore I'm going to go for that because I get lots of money. You see, the thing is, we think God only cares about our spiritual welfare, but in truth, because that's how I felt for many years, but in truth, God cares about every aspect of our life. We just don't ask. And then, as we're seeking, we're only seeking what we think is the right path, the right door, the right direction. We start putting in what we want once again. And then, of course, the knocking. We're not persistent in asking, we're not persistent in trying, we're not persistent in growing. So what happens is our lack of spiritual growth is very evident in our maturity in our faith and maturity in our Christendom. I do believe we have a lot more Christians who are very much in the milk category because of lack of discipleship, lack of teaching by the church in preparing people to be adult godly men and women.
1: And so when faith is challenged, we doubt.
0: This makes me think of the story that we we were all brought up with. It's in uh, Matthew 14. And we all know it by the fact that it is about Jesus walking on the water. And Peter comes out and starts walking towards him on top of the water and then suddenly he starts sinking when he notices the storm all around him and the waves and Jesus pulls him from the water and says oh man of little faith and they walk together to the to the boat and the storm's calm we know this story talk about it all the time when we were kids it's Matthew 14:22 through 20 or 33 excuse me and we know because, you know, Peter answered him, Lord, if you, it is you, because the thing is they didn't even recognize that it was Jesus if it is you uh, come well, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. You see, he said, command me to come. It wasn't by Peter's power, or Peter's faith power, which is what's getting kind of thrown into our culture, the church culture, is the teaching that we can discover this innerness that Jesus has had with God, and we just need to get the same thing. That's and some teachings are, especially the emergent church, was that when Peter starts sinking, it's because he didn't he he lost that oneness with God. He started focusing on on his worldliness. And so he, because he didn't have that oneness of God he started sinking. And that's why Jesus is like, "Oh, you didn't understand what I've been teaching you." So the idea is that he came out to excuse me. And when he saw the wind, I remember, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Notice the word afraid kind of jumps in. And the and beginning to sink, he cried out, "Lord, save me." How many times have we gone in life jumping into prayer, with jumping with all these, all these things going on? We are more interested in our faith and growing when things are good. But when things are hard, that zeal's not there. We're not jumping for joy and thank, thanking Him through the mire, through the struggles, through the turmoil. Oh, no, what do we do? We begin to look at the winds and the storm around us. We start noticing the chaos, the destruction. And we start crying out to Jesus once again. And we go, where have you been, Lord? Why have you left me? And he's going to look at you and he's like, I never left you. You came out to me and you stood in front of me. And then you started looking everywhere, everywhere for something else. And you stopped looking at me. You stopped chasing after me. You stopped asking me. You stopped seeking me. You stopped knocking. You stopped going after me.
1: And so you sank.
0: But as soon as you called me, I reached out to you and you can grab my hand and I could pull you up or you stay buried by the storms around you. You know, I I talk about how there's different groups out there because we know how bad things are going on with Hillsong and things are just, you know, more things are just coming out. But some of their songs had value to me, like Praising the Storm, because I remembered what it was like to feel like we are just going further into the depths and feeling like I was sinking. And I cried out many times. But I just could not see God's hand because what I was looking for was a specific doorway,
1: a specific boat, a specific
0: hand. I wasn't really looking to him to get me out. I was looking for him to get me out to go where I wanted to go. No, it's it's hard to grasp this when you're in the dumps, when you are doubting, when you feel worthless, when you feel like there's no better answer out there. But the truth is, because we don't focus on our walk with God, we don't pray when we're having a hard time, we don't spend time in his word, we don't listen to worship music to try to Help us remind us, you know, who is the one we serve. We start hiding away from our Christian companionships, our fellowships. We don't go to church. We hide.
1: And a lot of it is very much linked to fear.
0: This is why it's very important. We do need to step back. We do need to stop chasing after the wrong boat when Jesus is right there holding you with the right boat. He's like, you, you, you have faith in me. Because if you think about it, Peter was looking around and he couldn't see Jesus. Why? Because all he can notice was the chaos and, and the destructiveness of the wind and the storm and the waves crashing all around him, that's all he could notice. When the fact is he, when he first asked a commandment, he came out and he walked straight to him, he didn't even notice the storm going on around him because his eyes, his focus was seeking him only, and only him. How many times do we only have faith when things are great, but doubt when things are hard. I'm going to leave you that and take a quick break, and I will see you right after this commercial. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half of this episode. So so what if God does not answer as you expected? Maybe it takes years before, you know, he opens that door. Or maybe it's a few weeks. Maybe it's a few months. Or maybe he has you go through a journey that you weren't expecting to go through. Maybe he promised, hey, I will do this. And you're like, yes. But then you start realizing that nothing is leading to what you think that means. But it's leading you to in this other path, this other journey. Because he's never promised that it was going to be just a straight line to that. He may need you to do other things before he gets you to that, not because he doesn't care about you, but because there's two things in my mind that always come up. There's other people he needs you to reach and two, he is always discipling you, training you, preparing you. Remember, we talked about the reason why people struggle in their prayer walks. They struggle in their faith period is because there's no training. They don't practice. You know, we we talk about the verse that says, don't be hearers only, but be doers. That is taking, because it's like going to practice and having the coach tell you how to do a play, but you never do it. So the game comes and you go and do the play. Is it pristine? Is it crisp? Is it true?
1: You know what happens? It
0: looks horrible. There's mess ups there's miscues there's bad blocking there there, there could be you know the, the the wide receiver went in the wrong route because they didn't practice that let alone it also trains the defense with the offense so the defense also didn't practice so when the other team does something that's similar they also won't have that practice either You see, the connection is that the practice of training doesn't just affect your walk. It affects those that watch you. It affects those in your family, especially. Kids watch you. Your wife watches you. Wives, your husband watches you. Remember, it's a, it's a, a unity of the family. So if a part of the family is struggling, it's not just that family member, it's the whole family. So, will God open doors? Yes. Just, it may not be what you expected because the key thing is that just not the ones we want or expected until he opens the capital T-H-E door. You see, God will open other doors and he will push you through these other paths because he's trying to remember i said disciple you train you prepare you but he also wants you to impact certain people until he opens the door recently i was there was like this commercial that just kept coming up over and over again it's very interesting Uh, concept you know it kind of stood out to me because it's kind of like an old saying like we always use the whatever the whatever okay so the rental company was saying all these other rental companies they give you one of many cars you know they they know when you come to the rental place they have many cars many options because it's a rent a car And you know so they focused on a and their company is their their motto i guess you could say would be we rent you the car and i thought it was just very fascinating because a lot of times that's how it is when we seek god we are so focused on the door that we miss out on all the doors he opens around you And sometimes I kind of feel like maybe my wife and I did that here, but I also, I think we were just so focused on the one door that we were trying to pound it wide open that it's not that we missed out on other things per se, but we missed out on his direction. Oh, technically we didn't miss out, but we're just not paying attention to what he's trying to show us. So stepping back is helping us. And it's the same for you guys. We focus too much on the door that we want, that we think should be the door that we miss out on maybe other doors that he's been showing because that's the one thing I did. You know, I helped with the church planner and I did help with um, a couple of things up in Hillsborough with people, you know, just counseling them and listening to them and talking with them. And I had conversation. And those conversations will have value. It may not be for me 100% in the sense of that it's continual, but it may be something I said, maybe I I reminded them or maybe something I noticed and just kind of pointed out is going to be enough to impact them. Even our realtor and even the, you know, our financial guy that we've been dealing with, you know, we had a lot of good conversations. Because even if he's telling you, Hey, I do have this, a plan, the plan of a, He may put you through B through Z before he opens the A. Because remember, it still goes right back to the concept of being trained.
1: So now we're going to go to
0: James 1, verse 5 through 8. It states, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And it'll be given to be given him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Cause you know anything about being around a storm in water, the waves are, you know, cause if you go to the beach, you see how the waves are pretty, pretty steady, the same style of wave. But during the storm, It's choppy and goes in different directions and there's big waves and small waves and it's just so chaotic and beautiful all at the same time. So that's the picture they're trying to get you to understand. (coughs) Okay. Verse seven says for the, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Because if you think about chaos, chaos or, or or like waves going in all different directions, it, it shows that there is a form of unstableness, right? You know, a good solid wave is going to be going in that one direction. It's not going to be going all over the place. A double-minded person is someone who a lot of times, and like the way I looked at it is like you have the armor of God on, but you keep on trying to put the worldly armor on these other parts of your body because you like the idea of following Jesus, but you also don't want to give up some of these other things because they're cool too. Even though they're not right or not biblically sound, that's okay because it gives you that, oh, that fix that you need. You know, that, you know, it's like, what's what's wrong in my hobby? It's not like I'm doing any sin, but the problem is that you've created that hobby to be your fulfillment instead of Christ. But then there's also the other end, which is also a problem because if it is a sin addiction and you think, well, as long as I go to church and I do the Bible study, as long as I pray every day, then, you know, that sin, you know, because I'm saved, well, he's not really that bad is it you know because you know i am not like the world where i'm not going to church so i'm not praying i'm not spending time in god's word see the thing is we start compromising our faith and then if we go back to it originally it says you know but let him ask without no doubting there's the one who doubts so a lot of times do we come before god asking But because of everything that's happened to us the anger that we still hold on to the sin addictions that we still have the battles that we still wage have shown that oh you know i've asked before but you know hey god has not done anything about it when a lot of times what i when i find out about people especially who have addictions or have been are still doing the same sin they haven't really cleaned their house of temptation they still keep apps on their phone they still purposely put themselves in situations that encourage those desires and doesn't have to be sexual it could be anything so they hang out with friends, you know, they have a problem drinking too much, but they hang out with friends who love to drink, you know, sorry, but sometimes you might have to get rid of those friends as much, even though that you may have known them for 15 years and are high school buddies or whatever, but if they're causing you to stumble, you may need to remove them either for a time or forever. Because a lot of times It's as simple as removal
1: to help you not sin again. But then there's another
0: part to it, accountability. I mean, you have pastors, you have other men, and a lot of times since we're thinking we have to battle all this alone, we never ask. Accountability is probably the number one thing that men struggle because guess what? It's asking help, and we don't like asking help, do we? oh no we we can do this ourselves we can self-diagnose we can self-care and instead of seeing yourself getting better you're still saying that you're basically in the same situation and you're struggling you see that's the problem we we go before god thinking hey you know i've done this for i've asked him a hundred times and i still have the problem But then sometimes to me, there is sometimes a thorn that God may leave for you to have, but you are responsible for not putting yourself in a situation that causes you to stumble. And to be honest, a lot of times people who struggle with certain sins, it is hard no matter how many years it's been. You're always going to have that sort of battle going on with your flesh wanting that but it goes back to rewinding to what we talked about in the first half, spending time with God, praying, being involved, and keeping your eyes on him, you'll start noticing that desire starts dissipating. So many times we think we need to find that faith. We think that we have to search for it because it's, it's, I just, every time I pray, nothing happens. You know, I pray the doors never open. I pray and like, I I, like nothing that, you know, God promised and I'm not seeing anything. But the problem is it goes right back to what I've been saying. We keep looking for what we think the answer is supposed to be. We never ask him a different question about it. So how many times have you wished to have a better job that's going to pay you lots of money, but you never ask God, should I stay in the job I'm at? How long do you want me to stay in the job? Well, I've been here 15 years, and it's been easy. And I know I'm, I take care of my family, have everything I need. But did you ask him, is that where he wanted you to stay? Because one thing I've learned about God is that he doesn't like us being too comfortable. And, and I don't mean that you can't enjoy blessings of comfort, but it means if you're plateauing in your walk, something's off. Either something has taken over your walk with God, or there's a sin that's become very much more comfortable with yourself, or you've been focused too much on other things other than what you're supposed to be doing.
1: And so you plateau.
0: So when we look at Peter, we can see that Peter, you know, he, he's he's, God says, Hey, Peter had little faith because he lost his focus on where his faith came from, which was Jesus. We need to make the practice and training effort
1: to know him. It is
0: funny how this broken record keeps repeating itself over and over again so where does peter's doubt come from it comes because he takes notice of everything around him versus paying attention to jesus because most likely the storm that he was at is the sea of galilee and it wasn't like it was just a little bit of waves bouncing all over the place no 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 when storms hit here it was Have you ever been to the ocean and ever seen the waves when it's like cloudy and starting to rain and the wind's picking up it's like watching the ocean. It gets very, very, very heavy, waves everywhere. And since it's like a giant, huge sea of a lake, it's like living by the ocean. So the storms can be really rough. Jesus was pointing out to Peter that he had little faith. Because you remember, if you read in the scriptures, Peter says, Lord, No, command me to come out if it's you. And he he came out because he's like, hey, hey, come. And we we start forgetting what we're supposed to be focused on because we start focusing on the storms, the struggles, the anxiety, the anger, the entrapped sin, the bad choices. And we, we don't look at him. We stop asking, we stop seeking, we stop knocking. And all we know is the confusion. And we know that confusion and, and, and even doubt is not from God, it's from us. Why? Because of fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of opening a door we were not wanting to open. Fear of quitting sin. Fear of truly allowing God to change our lives. Because when you're following Jesus, there is true change. There is change. And if you're not allowing that change to happen, then are you really following Jesus? Because the whole point of the gospel message is sin equals death. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, defeats sin, defeats death. We are not bound by the law to die by our sin because we were given the grace for what Christ has done. So when we accept Christ as Savior, we're accepting Christ as Savior, and we're becoming followers to do as he asks, to follow God's word, to live a life that is godly, to walk in righteousness, to have faith in a God, the creator, Jesus Christ, our Savior. There is a purpose to what we're supposed to be living. And in that desire of following and that commitment to believe in what Christ has done in return, he changes us. So there has to be a change. And if you're still battling in your sins, you're still trying to live like the world, you're you're not following God, you're following self. And if
1: we're still following self, we're living by the world. We go to James 4,
0: verse 1 through 10 states, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Now, this is talking to other Christians. Is it not this, that your passions are within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask, you do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Now, these are big words. They're not tiny little adjectives that he's throwing at us. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And before we continue, think about all that I just said. We are asking, but we're asking with passions that not fit with scripture, but fits with the world. So we want to get rich, to get everything we want of this world. We want this job because it fulfills my desires over God's. I will not go to that Christian school because I want to go to this prestige school so I can be known. Any pastors out there, I wanna have a doctorate so that people will respect me. So I can put doctor in front of my name and they'll have to call me by doctor because I have worked for it. Oh, you don't have a seminary degree? Oh, you, you can't be a pastor you got to have a seminary degree to be a pastor. Oh, you've been doing this for 23 years? Well, you need to go to school and get a doctorate because it's not enough. Oh, you, you're you a teenager? Oh, you're a young person? Oh, you need to go to school before we'll listen and respect your words. You see, the thing is self-righteousness, vainglory, anything you want to pick. Pride is coming into the picture. This is where we also need to be careful we aren't putting people into the format of doubt because we're not being Christlikeness, not being loving, we're not being compassionate, we're not being the Lampart Jesus. We need to understand that we too
1: can affect people.
0: And we wage war within us because we start feeding our desires over what is right. We get to verse uh, four, the second half says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Literally, God is calling you an enemy because you want to be a part of the world. God is calling you an enemy because you want to be a friend of God the world. I want you to think about that. We're going a little sidetrack in this thought. All the progressive movements, the wokeness were is all that focused on. Who are all these Christians becoming friends of? I want you to think about that. Going back to topic. Verse five, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble humility. Ooh, another word that we are, I, I, I doubt, from the lack of spending time in God's word. Humility becomes the lack of understanding God's word and living it out godly. When we're not having a humble heart, we, beca- we can become self-righteous and glory about ourselves. And we need to be careful because that can cause quarrelsomeness and, and, and disunity among the believers, but it can also create it within us. It's much easier for the enemy to attack someone who thinks they are amazing. Because all they have to do is feed the ego. It's like watching those old shows or even some of the new ones where there's that knight, shiny armor, handsome, everything chiseled out correctly and he comes out with his sword and holds it up and it glitters in the sun. And he talks about how great he is. And then there's our hero, the whole movie, who has hardly anything, ends up fighting him and beating him because he was humble. That's the image and understanding of what it's like when you become what God has asked you to become. He's placed you in that position of being a pastor, the head of your home, a father, a manager at work, a worker who has been given some responsibilities because they, they, they trust you and they think you're honest and they, and they like having you do things. You get asked to do more projects because you do it so well. Like I had that, I did drafting, I designed homes and I did HVAC systems and I did electrical. And a lot of times they would come to me and they, they liked me because I did such a good job and I did it with good quality and I did it quickly. Because I focused on getting my work done. You got to be careful when you get placed in positions of honor. that You don't allow pride. You don't allow vainglory. You don't allow this self-righteousness to take over. Because you know, that's something like I, I don't want to be and I hope I won't be once I become a pastor and a an ministry director or whatever Whatever is going to happen from this point on. I want to remember the humility of what I went through to get to this point. And maybe this, this moment where I feel a little doubt and a little bit confusion is because God is trying to get me to take a step back and recognize that also wants me to recognize hey you're pounding on the wrong door I, I, I know you're asking I know you're seeking but dude you are pounding on the wrong door and you're trying to force it and this is not the right door are you listening to me and he could be saying that to you guys got to continue on because seven, verse seven says submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee, flee from you Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. God will honor you for humbling yourself before him and honoring him. For doing the right thing to understand that the sins that you do have, that you're repentant and and you feel guilty and you want to change and you chase after that changing because he wants you to love him above everything. And even though when the storms come, we're supposed to be able to look at him and even if it's so hard and it feels like you have no energy to get up, And there's like no way out. That It just seems like you're in the bottom of the hole and there's no way to get yourself out. He still will reach out and pull you out. He may need you to go through it a little bit in a harder way because he's trying to disciple you, train you up, and prepare you.
1: It's hard when you look at it this way. It
0: begins, guys, it begins with asking, it begins with seeking, it begins with knocking. You pray, you spend time in God's word, you study, you read, you talk to other men. Guys, you have about 20, 30 guys in our Discord group, and and it's so quiet, nobody wants to talk, and I don't understand, and I, I've tried to start conversation, but it only lasts for moments. But if you're studying God's word and you have questions, ask. If you're studying God's word and you want to see what other guys think, ask. You want to gain wisdom, ask. A lot of times we don't realize, but a lot of times the wisdom God's going to give us is through other people. Why? Because they also went through their experiences and they went through their struggles and they, they went through their understanding of things and they may have scripture, they may have thoughts. I can help you. And All it takes is you to ask God to give you the wisdom and to ask other men about their wisdom. Why not go and ask all of us so-called, as you would look at us 30-year-olds, as old? We've gone through a lot. Some of us are older than 40. We do have some guys in that group that are in their 60s, 50s. You know that's the one thing that's missing in churches is older men tr- uh, not really training but teaching other young men what they've gone through, discipling, mentor mentee.
1: This is where it begins, guys. Great opportunity,
0: but it starts with you guys asking. Let's pray, dear really, Father. Thank you for this time. I know this kind of went over, but I I feel like you needed them to hear things so. Lord, I say that uh, use this. Use this for however you're going to use it. Um, I ask you make clarity for me. Because a lot of times, a lot of this stuff is also for even for me. And uh, I thank you, Lord. I pray that you help us, even in the doubts of storm, that we could be reminded where our faith is supposed to be, which is on you and not on the things around us. I ask you give these men and even the women that are listening understanding. But it starts with them asking starts with them seeking, starts with them knocking. And I pray, Lord, that you open these doors. If they've been waiting for open doors, open them the way that you want and let them be humble enough to follow the doors that you are opening until you open the door. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you all have a good week and I will see you next time. God bless.